Today's episode is brought to you by Slater's 5050 and Tua T Fitness. Shance and Chu are washing their mouths out with soap because the How Dare You podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to the How Dare You podcast. This is the Deep Blue Sea edition. My name is Michael Schantz, known by Chu as Chance. With me, of course, is Michelle Lady Chu. Say hi, Chu. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Are you excited? <laughs> I am so excited. I love this movie so much more than the first movie we did, Armageddon, and I just can't even tell you. It's like night and Well, day. this is a 1999 film uh, directed by Rennie Harlan. It was nominated for a single How Dare You Award, Chew, and apropos to, for the movie, it was nominated for Most Ridiculous Concept. Now, we'll get into that in, in a second. Um, first... You know, this movie had a budget of $60 million. It made $73 million in the U.S., so it scraped by a small profit, but 164 worldwide. Um, let me ask you this. How long is your list of grievances against this movie? Hold it right there, Chew. Okay. Bait and switch. I don't even want to talk about it because first and first mostlies... <laughs> <laughs> my list of grievances is exactly zero items long. Wow. I fucking love this movie. Every bit of it. It's fantastic. Even the ridiculous shit. Okay. Sorry. Rant ended. How long is your list of grievances? <laughs> okay. So just to put it into perspective, Armageddon, I think what we had like 20 plus yeah, grievances. I had like almost 30 grievances. Yeah, um, for each of us. So this one, I only had 10, but I mean, if that was like me nitpicking. All in all, I I really, really enjoyed this movie. It was super fun. And I had almost the same amount of grievances as honorable mentions. Right. So that's pretty good percentage compared well, to I have a list I like I put grievances and I like under it I put things that I suppose should be a grievance yeah but that I have no problem with whatsoever in fact the closest I come to a grievance I have like maybe three grievances that all happen in maybe the first five minutes of this movie same one of the things I wrote was, why does why did none of those kids die? I wanted one of those kids to die at yeah. the beginning. I, I was kind of excited for it. I just thought, I mean, I thought that, that would have just been a, a classic intro. The monster makes its, its great debut and then just kills uh, hormonal teenagers. I was waiting for that, and yeah. it didn't happen. It so. felt like they deserved it, right? That's like a classic horror film kind of thing like if you're yeah. having sex and doing drugs oh you gotta die it but thomas fair. jane saved them yep he did so and then and then other than that chew i'm about to ask a question that i should just you already know the answer to yeah i already know the answer to it there's absolutely no reason for me to ask this do you know who ronnie cox is is that a man or a woman <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. 
Ronnie Cox is a veteran actor, a man. He, uh, have you seen Beverly Hills Cop? Yes. He is Bogomil. Bogomil. Give me more detail. He's the police captain. He's the police (laughs) captain. He is the boss of Taggart and Rosewood. Eh. I was going to take your word for it. Uh, Good grief. He's also the bad guy. He's also the bad guy in RoboCop, the bad guy in Total Recall. He is a great actor. He is at the beginning of this movie. He's the man sitting at the desk that Samuel L. Jackson is standing behind when she gives this dramatic... Alzheimer's speech, yeah, which was probably the weakest thing in the whole movie, is this, have you ever seen somebody who thinks that you have to tell them every day that their wife has died, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of a ridiculous speech. It's probably the weakest thing in the whole movie. But Ronnie Cox is sitting at the desk listening to this, but never says a word. So you have this great okay. actor who never says anything ever at all. Which I find strange. That's weird. Not that you notice, because you don't know who that is. I had no clue. I appreciate the trivia, though. I'm going to add a grievance against you. (laughs) Maybe that should be a new thing. (laughs) Grievances against the movie, and then at the end, how many grievances you had towards me. Yeah, we might have to do that, because clearly, each episode, I'll have two grievances. I'll start tallying right now. Is that one? That's one for sure. You don't know Ronnie Cox. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, okay, let me ask you this. If I was to ask you what the plot of this movie is, what would you say? Oh, God. Uh, So, some lady's upset that her dad got Alzheimer's, which is horrible in and of itself, and she can't stand it so much that she's going to go test on giant sharks boom done and you're like oh what excuse me yeah that about sums it up right the science behind this movie is fucking amazing (laughs) (laughs) really incredible considering the idea that you're gonna cure alzheimer's by first of all engineering giant mako sharks so that you can make their brains bigger to try, I, 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 I'm not even exactly sure what they're doing because they're like extracting enzymes. They said something about proteins 30 times, so it has something to do with proteins. There are in proteins. The brain. There I are don't... enzymes. Something in the brain. Yeah. Of a mako shark. Is it in the brain itself, or is it something they've added? Like, are they just testing it on the shark? I think. I'm it, not sure that's clear. I think the shark. They tested the shark. The shark has to develop whatever it is that they need, and then they take it out and test it on human brain tissue. Right. They just, like, have a slice of brain, and you start seeing electricity. (laughs) Also Uh, fucking amazing. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate no. the science part of it. I was like, oh, oh okay. the, I can get behind it. It's so amazing. Yeah. What I love is that in a research facility filled with fucking doctors and fucking scientists and got, you know, uh, and also a criminal shark swimming with expert, I guess I'll call Thomas Jane. <laughs> yeah. That's his job. He can swim with sharks. Um, but what I love is they've, 
clearly found out that they have made Mako sharks smarter, but nobody wants to print that paper as a scientific paper. Yeah. No. You'd be a joke. No, I'm. No, yeah. It's ridiculous, right? Hey, we made Mako sharks smarter. Well, I'm not going to write about <laughs> that. I'm still working on Alzheimer's. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I want a prequel to this movie that's all about how they decided to start <laughs> testing Mako sharks for Alzheimer's disease. That's what I want. Yeah, like how did they get from A to B? And they didn't really explain that very well in the movie. No, you're at just all. at the facility. Yeah. And shouldn't, I mean, by this time, Jurassic Park has already been out for a couple of years. So these characters should know what the possibility is when you're testing on prehistoric <laughs> animals. Wait, are you saying, are you saying that the characters should have watched the movie? They would have Jurassic known. Park? They'd be like, you know what, this ain't a good are idea. You, are you talking just character to character? Like these scientists should have talked to those scientists <laughs> Both. and found out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't Either know one. if I didn't know if Jurassic Park was a movie or <laughs> yeah. a scientific expedition that went wrong <laughs> in your argument. <laughs> so let's talk about Okay, we get to the shark facility, right? Yeah. Did you find it strange at all that, A, on the weekends, they go down to a skeleton crew of, like, five people? Like, I found that a little bit strange just because it's big. There's a lot of shit going on in there. But I get it for story purposes because we're going to follow about six right. or seven people and... You know, four of them are going to die. Five of them are going to die. I just thought it was silly because, yeah, you, on the weekends, it makes sense at any sort of facility. Okay, we're going to run on a skeleton crew. Well, you're working in the ocean, and the ocean doesn't run on weekdays. It's just the same thing every, like, that. you could have the same problems on a weekend as you could during the week. So going on a skeleton crew on the weekend doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, me either. And then the other thing that I loved, well, let's talk about what is it about this movie that works so well? Because we talked about Armageddon last week and a movie that scientifically is just as ridiculous as this movie. Yeah. But that movie bothers me and this movie doesn't. Everything about this movie I fucking love. The the visual effects were pretty decent. I mean, honest, like, I know it's ridiculous, but it wasn't terrible. So here's the thing, because I have a note that says they have two different things. They have puppet sharks, not puppets, but you know what I mean? They built actual yeah. sharks as characters. And then they have CGI sharks. Mm -hmm. And the CGI sharks look kind of terrible, but it doesn't yeah. bother me for a moment. It it just works for some reason for this movie. They worked in like great humor too, which made it less serious. Like they weren't taking themselves too seriously just because it was funny and it wasn't, I felt like there were lines in Armageddon where they were taking themselves too seriously and it just came off really corny. And I didn't feel like this was the case here. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think, and I think that credit goes to the director, Rennie Harlan. And for those of you that also listen to the Everything Sequel podcast, you know that uh, we're talking about Rennie Harlan when we did the Die Hard series because he directed Die Hard 2. He directed uh, A Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh, you know, Rennie Harlan, he's got some movies yeah. under his belt. And even Cutthroat Island, which is a bit of a train wreck, I can watch <laughs> as a delightful train wreck. <laughs> You know I haven't seen that movie. And there's something, uh, there's something, there's some magic alchemy that Rennie Harlan put together with this movie because he is able to make scenes where the characters are taking their situation seriously. And even he as the director at times is taking those situations seriously, but the audience somehow doesn't have to take yeah. it seriously. And that's a that's a tightrope to really walk. Is. I mean there's some Yeah. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. So loved it. Oh man, I just There's so much great shit in this movie. Um let's talk about the actors. There is some seriously good acting in this movie. Yeah. I mean, for for this type of movie, yeah, absolutely. But there were it's equally some really atrocious moments, which we've already talked about, the Alzheimer's speech in the beginning. Kill me. The Alzheimer's speech, not great. Yeah. But, like, Samuel L. Jackson, great, rich asshole. Yeah. I mean, he makes it work. Thomas Jane... Perfect choice for guy with a yeah. past who uh, is smart, as smart as the doctor, just not right. about science shit. He knows not to yeah. fuck with the sharks. Saffron Burroughs, great kind of Dr. Frankenstein. She's created these monsters. Michael Rappaport is actually able to make me believe he's the smartest yeah, man in the world. I love him so much. He's great. <laughs> And he has the single best piece of acting in this whole movie. We may as well get it out of the way now. The big speech by Samuel L. Jackson. We're going to get our shit together. We're going we're gonna to pull out of this. We're going to chomp. Shark eats him. Drags him down to the murky waters, to the murky depths, and tears him to pieces. And in that moment, you see the best acting in the entire movie from Michael Rappaport. Acting, I think, in exactly the way somebody would if they just yeah. witnessed what they actually witnessed. He plants his ass on the ground, hugs his knees. We're in, like, Glenn Close, big chill, sad shower scene. <laughs> He's rocking back and forth, just going, he ate him. He just, he took him. He just, he just, you know, and, and it's that kind of thing where his mind just broke. Yeah. Because of what he just saw. It's a phenomenal piece of acting it's, it's really so good. good that this samuel jackson speech I, I hated it it came out of nowhere it was weird he starts talking about the when we were on the avalanche what are you talking how about how can you hate it oh they referenced they, the avalanche okay, several times that. before that they talk about this idea of he was in a bad situation and you knew something okay. went down it was like what happened was 
and it's alluded to, but not directly stated that he was in a situation where he probably had to kill people. Got it. And he did, because he's Samuel L. Jackson, and that's what he fucking does. You know, yeah. when the shit goes down. Yeah, I was really surprised when they killed him. Super surprised. I thought he was going to make it to the end. Like, <laughs> he he played... I don't... You know, he... I don't know, he just didn't play a big enough part that I had anticipated him playing. He was kind of just, like, there... And then Boomy's gone. You're like, what the fuck? They just killed him? Out of nowhere? Yeah, that's oh, the magic. Chew, I was, that's the magic. I wasn't mad about it, but I was, didn't see it coming at all. It was good. Oh, I love yeah. that you said that. That's that's yeah. what they're going for, you know? That's exactly the reaction they want. And so you have you hadn't seen this movie until you watched it for the podcast, uh, right? Correct. I think I'd seen like parts of it, but it, I mean, it was in 99, so it was a long time ago. But yeah, I didn't remember big plots. Yeah. Right. I remember seeing it in the movie theater day one, Friday afternoon show in Westwood by UCLA. I mean, we're talking, I think it was the Bruin Theater. So it's this massive kind of palace of a theater where they do, you know, premieres and stuff. It's got to have at least 500 seats. And there's maybe a total of 12 of us in the movie theater. And I'm just tickled pink when I see it. It I'm I'm quite sure when Samuel L. Jackson got chomped, I laughed my ass off. (laughs) And it was probably later, I used to work next door, next door to the movie theater. I worked at BJ's. And a friend of mine, Dan, worked there. And we started talking afterwards because he was in the movie theater. He was in the balcony. (laughs) And he could hear my laugh. Yeah. You know, when people are getting ripped to pieces and chomped and eaten. And he thought, that's, oh, that's chance. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it delighted him. It made the movie better for yeah. him hearing where I was laughing. All right. Well, we're just getting started with Deep Blue Sea, everyone. Uh, we're going to have more to say about it. Choo choo. We're going to take a commercial break and come right back, okay? Sounds good. All right. Stay tuned, everyone. Look, people, we're living in strange times. We know that, don't we? Of course we do. People don't even know what to do with themselves. We're getting stir-crazy. Well, get outside and get yourself some great food, I say. You need to go to Slater's 5050 and Point Loma's Liberty Station. It's time to treat yourself to booze, to beer, to burgers, and more. They have their full menu, people. Their full menu, I say. How many restaurants do you know that are doing that? Most places are doing a quarter of their menu, probably. Some might be doing a half. Maybe a few have got three quarters of a menu. But Slater's 5050 has their full menu, including their signature 5050 patty. It's half ground beef. It's half ground bacon. It's 100% delicious. What more can you possibly ask? Worried about social distancing? Well, it is in place, people. Tables are separated and the staff will always be seen wearing masks. You're out of excuses. Get off your keister and come on down to Liberty Station's own Slater's 5050. Outdoor dining available. Bring the family. Bring your dog. Come enjoy the normal again. Good day to you. I said good day.
And we're back. We're here talking about the 1999, I'm going to say hit, Deep Blue Sea. At least a, a hit in my mind, as far as I'm concerned. Here's a couple of fun facts about this movie, Chew. This is the first movie Stephen King saw after getting hit by that van. I knew that. And he loved it. <laughs> I loved that he loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, do you remember at the very beginning of the movie, the shark that they feed to the other sharks has like a license plate in its yeah. mouth? And there's this whole thing where Thomas Jane is somehow an acrobat underwater and can flip himself onto the top of sharks. And he gets the license plate out. And this is where he meets Samuel L. Jackson and he hands him the license plate. That license plate is the same exact license plate taken out of the tiger shark killed towards the beginning of the original Jaws. That's cool. Isn't that yeah. cool? I, I like that as a little nod. That's really nice, Good actually. Yeah. yeah. Good on you, Rennie Harlan, I say. Um, this is an opportunity for you to add another discrepancy to the list. Um, I've never well, seen Jaws. Uh, what? <gasps> add Natalie on that list. <laughs> do, you, do you just want it's, to turn it, everything off right now? <laughs> it's not a discrepancy. It's a grievance. <laughs> I'm so fucking mad at you right now. Okay, so... At the very least, listeners, we know because Jaws is my all-time favorite movie, Chew. I know. So, we know what our first Chew teachable moment is going to be. Jaws. Yeah, you're going to watch Jaws. That'll be the first teachable moment. How dare you, Chew, <laughs> not have seen that movie. Yeah, I know. You dumb asshole. <laughs> wrong with me i mean i remember okay so uh, when we did the introduction to the how dare you podcast i said okay first things first have you seen shawshank redemption yeah because shawshank redemption is my second favorite movie because it didn't occur to me that you could not possibly have seen jaws well for some reason mistake Holy shit. Yeah, I don't know how I've not seen Jaws and I've seen Shawshank Redemption countless times. And it's so great. Shawshank is always on like yeah, TNT and all these other channels yeah. though, but still you're a fucking monster. That's the one discovery where we know <laughs> clearly today. All right, fine. Teachable moment, Jaws. That's where we're going to go. But today we're still talking about Deep Blue Sea. Okay. I think where, for me, where this movie truly gets magical is they feed the sharks. And then, you know, Thomas Jane is kind of cruising around those little outside cages. And first of all, they uh, start trying to attack the cages, yeah. that sort of tube cage, and he pulls a shotgun out, and they swim backwards. Which is impossible. Which sharks can't do. Which, they, yeah, they just simply cannot do. <laughs> but what I love about this movie is that the characters know that, and they say, hey, a shark can't swim backwards. And then Samuel L. Jackson goes, did I see what I think I saw? Yeah. They recognize that shotgun. 
And that's where you go, this movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> this movie's great. There was definitely like a sense of uh, self-awareness on those types of things. Because if they hadn't been addressed, I would have been like, this is dumb. Like you have, right. you had to say like how ridiculous it was. But they, they but they talk yeah. about it, and that's what's great about yeah. this movie. And you know, and so the, and right after that, you have this moment, which for me is great in these types of movies, where a character does something that makes you think, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> and it's where it's when Thomas Jane gets out of the cages. These sharks have presented themselves as super smart. They're going to eat anything in their way. By the way, they are just animals, though. I think it's funny that these sharks are never full. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> they are constantly ready to eat at all times. And you know what? I can appreciate that on a personal level. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that completely. Yeah, I get it. I'm right there with you. Lo, so, okay, so you have this moment, and he gets out of the cages, and you're thinking, what the fuck? And then he sets a decoy yeah. by putting his own air mm-hmm. tank up against one of the cages, like the, the tube yeah. cage. A shark thinks it's him, and he darts it, and it's... You know, if you put a shark to sleep, it's just going to sink to the bottom of the ocean floor. Yet somehow it just sinks right onto a platform that lifts him up into the scientific area, which I think is hilarious. And then this is where this movie goes to 11. (laughs) They have the contraption. They're putting things on top of the shark's head. They're extracting. uh, What was it? Not the enzyme. Proteins or something. Proteins. Thank you. They're extracting the proteins. They're seeing the electricity in the human brain reform. (laughs) And then this shark, who's been darted to sleep, wakes up and eats an arm. And he eats the arm of uh, Stellan Skarsgård. And they have to get him on a chopper. You have maybe the worst CGI chopper in the history of film show up, (laughs) which is fantastic. And they lower a winch. And this is sort of the, the sort of thing that only happens in movies where they're raising this man who's poor man who's had his arm eaten. He just needs medical attention. They're winching him up and the winch breaks, which is something that only happens in yeah, movies. Why was it overheating? It's, it hasn't been used yet. Yeah, it's never been used. It clearly looks brand new even. Yeah. Um, there's water, there's rain falling, falling on it. So how, how overheated could it get? But of course it gets stuck and his, his cart or his gurney goes into the water. And this next scene is just pure magic, Chew. This gurney is in a shark's mouth. He's still alive. I imagine he's been underwater for some time. Yeah. But he's still breathing. Maybe he even, does he I, have a mask? Yeah, because later they... when you see him, That's right. he has something on his face, which I'm amazed it even stayed on there. Because he right. doesn't have use so of his this... arms. Arm, right. I guess. Yeah. Arm. <laughs> <laughs> so he's stuck in the shark's mouth and the shark moves at a velocity fast enough 
to whip him into what I imagine is probably six inches of plexiglass. Yeah. But manages to crack it. And not only does the shark throw him into the plexiglass, it's not like he hits it and then just starts sinking to the ocean floor. He's stuck on it. (laughs) Making eye contact because he's still alive to his girlfriend. Yeah. Who just has to watch him sitting there. Yeah. Barely able to breathe with his mask on. uh, Stuck in a gurney. It's, you know, that's a remarkable piece of acting. What I, you know, I can imagine the director, Rennie Harlan, saying, okay, here's what's going to happen. The shark has you in its mouth. It's going to throw you into the glass and you're going to stick there. Really? How am I going to stick there? It's just, it's just strong enough to make you stick. Don't worry about it. But you, you're going to be strapped in. So you got to, it's all with the face. (laughs) But aren't I going to have, like, a uh, mask on most of my face so that we're explaining how I can still breathe? Well, it'll be the eyes. (laughs) Give me the eyes. I want to see the eyes. (laughs) And he does. You know, uh, speaking on that that scene with the helicopter, I feel like I'm I'm pretty good, especially in, you know, like, A- minus or B movies. I'm pretty good at anticipating what ridiculous thing is going to come next. But I was so sure that when the gurney (laughs) was swinging in the air that the shark was going to jump up and grab him. Right. I was like, oh, they're going to do some shit. They're going to do some stupid shit with this shark. And I was like, you know what? That didn't happen. And I'm really pleased with it because I, I, I just not only, it. Yeah, not only that, but isn't it? Okay, it's ridiculous that the winch thing yeah. breaks. But, but what happens next is the gurney falls into the water. And don't, didn't you have that moment of, oh, no. Yeah, I was like, oh, Stellan, no, no. Stellan, you're, like, you're totally fucked. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, I don't, so anyway, the glass breaks. The one thing you don't see, though, or maybe you see it later, but you never see a shot of, like, the gurney coming, like, rushing in. Yeah, no. but You just see him later in there floating around. Right, floating around. Yeah. He's finally (laughs) dead. Super dead. dead. He's super dead. (laughs) Poor guy. He's so super dead. (laughs) Oh, maybe that's our first T-shirt. We should have the gurney on a (laughs) T-shirt with, like, dead face and just super dead. (laughs) I would absolutely wear that T-shirt. 100%. Super dead. <laughs> I gotta write that down real fast. Please do. Oh my gosh. So, uh, so what happens is water rushes in, and this makes the whole system fail. We're in the middle of a huge tropical storm, of course, because everything's gonna yep. go wrong. Um, Janice from The Sopranos really gets it right in the face. Oh, Brenda, uh, she's girl. Dead. Sorry, Brenda. Yeah. What are we yeah. going to do, you know? Um, and then, like, so, but but what you have after that really is some fantastic movie shit about them having to just try to get to the surface. And all the problems they encounter, 
and all the choices they make and all the risks they have to take are all motivated. It's all well written. It's all well directed. It's all well acted. Everything about it's fucking awesome. I'm not wrong, am I? I loved it. I loved the humor. I loved the writing. I loved the way they killed off certain people, especially towards the end, and didn't kill off other people. Like, I just, I loved it. Just loved it. Michael Rappaport. Oh, sad to see him go. Damn That was a strong death, though. That was a strong death. You really, like, connect with him. You're like, God, this guy's so good. And he, like, him and Thomas Jane seem to be, like, best friends, sort of. And then... Right. Bye, Michael. They seem to have an understanding. Because he's trustworthy. Let me ask you this, though. I thought it was really funny. I made a note because Thomas Jane, who plays uh, Carter Blake, and Saffron Burroughs, who plays Dr. Susan McAllister... Once the water comes in, they have like these moments where they're just talking together and all the other characters make reference to them being intimate with each other somehow. It's like they're sharing an intimate moment, but really Thomas Jane was putting like burn cream on his arm. They're not really actually having intimate moments, but everybody's <laughs> accusing them of having intimate moments. Yeah. And I kind of wanted one of them to go, hey, back the fuck off. I'm putting some burn cream on, bro. <laughs> yeah, they definitely uh, alluded to like some sexual tension. But even then, I didn't really get that sense that I just felt like they were kind of a little at odds with each other, not necessarily sexual tension. Yeah, it was really more they were just colleagues. Yeah. That's it. Like, I think she really bugged him. Like, he did not really like her at all. Agreed. And not just that, he knew that she was Dr. Frankenstein. He knew she was fucking with nature. Yeah. Don't do it. (laughs) Jurassic Park. You guys know this already. In fact, Samuel Jackson (laughs) should have told you guys at the beginning of the movie. This isn't a good idea. Listen, I just died like (laughs) six years ago, (laughs) five years ago. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to be fucking around with this shit or you're going to find my arm inside a computer. In fact, Samuel Jackson should have told you guys at the beginning of the movie. This isn't a good idea. (sighs) Well, let's talk about (laughs) because we haven't talked about LL Cool J yet. I was just going to say that. Love (laughs) him. How great is LL Cool J in this movie? Yeah. I loved his relationship with the bird. I loved his outlook on life. He wasn't having it with that shark. And I would, God, he was funny. Oh my God, the video he left. Yeah. You think it's going a certain way. And then he's like, <laughs> the perfect omelet is two eggs, not three. Also, he get. I mean, I don't. I won't subscribe to you have to have two or three eggs, but he gets omelets right. Yeah. Don't go adding milk. No. Don't add shit. Just eggs. Yeah. That's how you make an omelet. I really. I loved. I. I loved him. Were you surprised he lived? Yes, I was. I literally. Okay, so I was writing <laughs> down in my notes, uh, really hoping that LL Cool J and Michael Rappaport live, and I was in the middle of finishing out Rappaport. And Michael got ripped in half by a shark. I literally could not have timed it better. As you were writing? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, shit. 
Okay. <laughs> Like, wow. Um, so pleased that he lived. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, that's probably the most magical choice of the whole movie, that Preacher gets to live. Fantastic choice. All right. Chu, we're going to take one more quick break. Then we're going to come back and we're going to finish out Deep Blue Sea. Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out To A T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. To A T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back. We're here talking about Deep Blue Sea, a movie in which scientists decide to try and cure Alzheimer's by testing on one of, you know, the three biggest apex predators of the sea, genetically engineered mako sharks. <laughs> what a piece of magic. Uh, I love it, Chew, this idea in this movie that they have this great shot, this great CGI shot of, of sort of a hole in the bottom of the building or the structure yeah. I guess we'll say, and the sharks swimming in. And then they start <laughs> yeah. getting into the hallways and fucking with shit into the kitchen. I mean, it's just, it's its so ridiculous that it's pure magic. <laughs> yeah. That was a stretch. But at that point, I was so concerned about LL Cool J's fate that I was, I didn't pay that much attention to it, but it was really like, that and that's the thing about the movie, right? That it's ridiculous, but you're already on board. Yeah. You're so on board for everything that's going to happen in this movie. Yeah, throw a lighter in the water. It won't go out. It's going to hit the gas. And why is the oven turning on when half of it is in water? And he's in there and didn't get electrocuted, but he is going to get gassed out. Riddle me that. This is how good this movie is. I never even considered it. Oh, my God. I had to pause it, it to make notes on it. <laughs> it all made perfect sense to me. <laughs> I love... I can't remember. What's what's L, what's Preacher say? What's LL Cool J say, says right before he throws the lighter and everything explodes? I can't remember. Shit. Damn it. <laughs> I wish I wrote it down. But I'll, all I know is... Oh, what you, I did... you ate my bird. That's what it was. Is said, it really? I think he said something about you ate my bird or this is for eating my bird or something. I've got a good note about the bird. They could not afford on their $60 million budget uh, birds that could actually talk. So they found two birds, I think, from Mexico that were possibly not even trained, if I remember correctly. And then actors provided the voice. 
Stop. Stop. And all this does is speaks to the more the magic of this movie. Everything about this movie is fucking awesome. I would have loved to been in the room where whoever it was pitched that idea for the birds and somebody was like, yeah, fuck it. It'll work. Yeah, we can do that. Human voice parrots. Perfect. Amazing. We got a fix. Don't worry about it, (laughs) Renny. So I want to know if you think like I do that this movie is probably never better than when and it's a risk, right? Uh, Michael Rappaport, whose character, uh, Tom Scroggins, I think his name was, he he wants to open a door and like kind of go up this tube, a ladder all the way up. Yeah. But if there's a risk that it'll bring in so much water, it'll bring the whole structure down. Yeah. But once Sam Jackson gets eaten, they're like, fuck it, we're taking the risk. <laughs> they undo it. But, you know, they have this great moment of like all the water starts building up, but they are able to close the door, but it's still filling up from the bottom. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get up, but then the ladder falls and then the whole bottom of the area catches yeah. on fire. It's fucking awesome. Or that sorry, was... the top is on fire. Yeah dropping shit and uh you know Stellan Skarsgård girl his girlfriend uh Jacqueline McKenzie is the actor I think the character is Janice Higgins Mm -hmm. that's a great death scene it's a good one shark comes up with her in it in its mouth yep that's solid yeah that was good that whole scene I was like oh shit this is like I was surprised by it. Didn't see it coming. I was like, this is great. You got fire on top. You got water and shark coming up from the bottom. Uh, it was great. And that's, that was kind it. of my point. That was what I was going to ask. I mean, this that's when the movie's at its best, isn't it? Yeah. Them trying to get up and, you know, little side detours. That was good. I did, uh. you know, she, uh, Janice is in the shark's mouth and she comes up and Thomas Jane is still reaching his hand out. I'm like, Thomas, pull your hand back. Okay, it's done. <laughs> Just pull that hand back in. Like, so she's, that, she's moment, that moment specifically I wanted to talk about because there's a lot of, I mean, the movie is super melodramatic in moments, and that's one of the super melodramatic moments. And when we talked about Die Hard 2 on the Everything Sequel podcast, also directed by Rennie Harlan, that movie, super melodramatic with the music and everything about yeah. it. And I think that's a Rennie Harlan thing. It never bothers me though. It's like the movie's dripping with goo. It's being so <laughs> sentimental about yeah. how she dies in the shark's mouth. And yet I'm straight, completely right on board at all times. I would slightly disagree. I thought I made a note about the the music, about the score. And I'm like, it's just not matching up for me. Like I'm loving everything except the intensity of the music just isn't quite, like, it's just, it's just a couple levels too up for me. I wish that they'd toned it oh, back. I think you need to go back and watch it again with the mindset of, this is fucking awesome. This is great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they finally get to the top and that's kind of a freak out moment too, right? Like it's, it's this thing where they, they kind of put decoys with the, you know, mm-hmm. air tanks, kind of <clears throat> bubbles, yeah. hoping the sharks will attack that. 
But this idea of you have to get to the surface, but you can't go too fast and have to breathe out or else your lungs will explode. Yeah. That's kind of frightening with, you know, Mako sharks cruising around. And, and the one that's left at that point is 45 feet long. I, um, I thought that that was, I thought that that was a good point to make, even in a, a slightly ridiculous movie. Be like, okay, we got to get out, but we can't go too fast. And don't forget, there's a shark hunting us. And there was just a lot of things that they had to yeah. physically multitask. Um, I thought that was good. I liked it. Well, and it's it's sort of, you know, what what they do is they're able to build tension. Yeah. And that's what you want in this movie. And they do it. And they do it great. And then they get to the surface. Saffron Burroughs, the Dr. Frankenstein of the story, sacrifices herself. Thank it's God. It's kind of... It, yeah. It's it's this the duality, right? Because... Yeah. There's this idea where you think that character would never do that. But then you also think, thank God. Yeah, she had to go. Did you know that originally they had her killing the shark and test audiences went, whoa, she's the asshole. What the fuck are you doing? So then they put in this scene. Yeah, I I read that. They're like, okay, we got to we got to redo it a little bit. That's great. But that's one of my favorite moments in the entire movie is at the end of this movie. She cuts her hand, she jumps in the water, and then you have this great camera right on the shark, eating the fence, by the way, trying to get out. And the shark's eyes are rolling over white because it's eating. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, essentially, the shark smells the blood. And the eye rolls down black. And it looks to the side like, oh, I'm going to get me a snack. Because <laughs> as previously discussed, they're never full. <laughs> well, he's 45 feet long. He's always, obviously, he's always hungry. Yeah, he's exerting some energy, I guess. Yeah. But the the effect of the of the shark having, you know, they their eyes roll over white to protect their eyes when they're eating, which is true. But the effect of it kind of coming back to black as it's looking around, it makes it look like the shark is raising an eyebrow, like, blood? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's so great. And then, of course, she gets ripped to pieces, and Preacher and uh, Carter Blake have to save the day. Carter Blake does another piece of shark judo. (laughs) He does. Just ride that shark. Pretty remarkable. But Preacher is the one who saves the day. Yeah, loved it. I mean, shark explosion. Yeah. Immediately saved by the regular crew coming back to to relieve the skeleton crew. <laughs> Can you imagine going into that shift? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to need you all to clean this up. <laughs> I'm about clocked out now, so see you guys. <laughs> I got I got a wound. Preacher managed to put a harpoon in my leg <laughs> instead of the other 43 feet of this fucking shark. <laughs> He's probably like, are you fucking kidding me? You couldn't have aimed it anywhere else. Sorry, Carter. Oh, so good. Everything about this movie is fantastic. I, um, Even I, the stuff that's not. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you were saying. Um, I did read that the, in chronological order, the way they killed the sharks is how each shark 
in the Jaws movies was killed. I read that too. Is that true? It's it's close, but not exactly right. So the first shark is exploded, but exploded with gas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the yeah. creature throwing the, the lighter. So I guess that's close enough. The, the, the one that's definitely true is the second shark is electrocuted in Jaws. Okay. And this shark is electrocuted when she, she killed, you know, the Dr. Frankenstein, Saffron Burroughs. Yeah. Dr. Susan McAllister. She, she does electrocute that shark. The third shark is where it's a little weird because <laughs> in Jaws 3D, it's a grenade inside of the shark's mouth stuck to a severed arm by the way it's like oh, nice. if, if if that shark just had a toothpick um they never would have been able to <laughs> yeah to kill it um but essentially i suppose it's the same thing you know i mean you you have the harpoon and you got the dynamite or what i, I forget what yeah. was on the i don't even remember what's on the harpoon that makes it explode oh he connects it to the battery right and then, but I don't know. That sounds like a second electrocution job. Yeah, they um, they said that the third shark was incinerated, but I don't really know the difference between that and just being blown up. Personally. Or electrocuted. Or electrocuted. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I read that as well. I also read that uh, the plane that takes them into the uh, into the. Uh, area was the same plane from Six Days, Seven Nights, a movie I'm sure you haven't seen. Is that the one with uh, Anne Heche? Yeah. Oh, God. Don't disparage Anne Heche. She's I mean, great. She's like, eh. Harrison Ford, uh, love him. Anne Heche, sorry, Anne. I think you know it's what? I shouldn't judge you, Anne. I don't know you that well. I just saw the one movie and I wasn't, it wasn't my fave. <laughs> Fine. All right. Anything else, Chu, you want to say about this fantastic movie, Deep Blue Sea? It was nominated for a How Dare You Award. It was nominated for Most Ridiculous Concept. It didn't win because, A, this movie's fucking awesome. Yeah. B, it is a ridiculous concept, but it's a great concept. (laughs) I just had so much fun watching this movie, and it was such a pleasant surprise because I was anticipating the same type of feelings as Armageddon and I just I just loved everything about it me too yeah it's so good all right well only two grievances against you so far on this episode Chew but a big one is you haven't seen Jaws so uh, give us a few episodes listeners and we'll have a teachable moment for (laughs) Chew who somehow in her sheltered terrible life has not seen the original Jaws and uh, we'll bring we'll bring a, a solid movie to you soon. Until next time, my name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. With me is Lady Chu. Say goodbye, Chu. Goodbye, everybody. Perfect. <laughs> Until next time, we'll see you.